0: Jim now I didn't even tell you I was gonna ask this question first Uh you're one of those guys that's moving into Texas from California yeah yeah Yeah. all right well very good well tell us a little bit about what you have done as you've moved here to Texas from California and uh, maybe a little bit of the things that you've done before God has called you to this
1: Okay.
2: well first of all I've always tell people this I was born in Oklahoma And raised in Kansas, and then my dad moved us out to California in 1980, and so that's how I ended up out there. Tracy is a native uh, Californian. She's she thinks I'm fronting her out when I say that, but that's where (laughs) she's from. And uh, so, anyway, some of the things that I did before before we went to ministry yeah. is uh, when Trace and I first were, were married, I, I, my family's been in the trucking business, and so I was involved in that uh, for a while when we first got married, and then felt the Lord was leading me. I was a, a, an introvert, very, very shy, very, very introverted, but leading me uh to uh to the bakersfield police department and so i applied with the bakersfield police department there were 10 positions opened up i remember there was 800 guys that applied for those positions and and i got on and stayed there until i think it was uh, 1999 and uh ended up having to leave because i was injured on duty in in a motorcycle wreck so um and then i went to the district attorney's office for a little bit and was just waiting for god to show me what I was going to do. I was was called to preach. I was already preaching. Uh, Tracy was running a Christian school. I was running a bus ministry. I'd been doing that for a while and teaching a teen class, but I knew that God was calling us eventually was going to call us to pastor a church. So we were just waiting for that. And that call finally, it finally came
0: now. And you are going to be starting a new church and you were officially uh, kind of deputized by the north american ministries yeah. from free will baptist which is yeah. our denomination yes, sir. and that happened in 2020 but you have been in ministry not just in ministry to the local community you know through the police department and things yeah. of that nature but also you've pastored a couple of other churches as well yeah yeah and uh, you you've had some successful ministries in the past
2: god has god has done some great we've been able to be in on his on his work and um uh in 2003 God called us to Taft California It was a struggling church that's a little oil field town outside of Bakersfield and uh, there's just a handful of people when we got there it was about a 50 year old church and so we went into that place and, and God just lit that place on fire uh, we ran somewhere in the 150 area as a high went to two services Tracy started school we had 40 kids in our school tripled the uh, bus ministry over there. And God just did an incredible, incredible work there. And right as we were just really enjoying the fruit of that labor, uh, God called us away from there to plant a new church, brand new church in a place where we had never lived, didn't have any family in that place, uh, which was, um, Greenfield, California in South Monterey County, about, about 30 miles south of Salinas and, uh, not too far from Pebble Beach, but nothing like Pebble Beach. And, um, We started a church from scratch there uh, in a town, 90% Hispanic town, and um, God just did another incredible work there, and we built that church up to, I think we hit a high of 170 at that church, and uh, it's still going. We left there in 2017, 2017, and uh, I knew we were coming to Texas. I'll talk more about that in just a minute, but... But we, we needed to make a pit stop. And I knew that for for a while in Bakersfield to take care of my parents. So we did that until God called us uh, to uh, Texas.
0: Now, one of the things that I was going to ask you about is, you know, we're doing this Lionhearted series. Yeah. And one of the things that we talk a lot about in this series, um, let's put up the one to remember real quickly. Uh this is from Ephesians chapter two, verse 10, for we're God's handiwork yeah. created in Christ Jesus to do good works which God prepared us in advance to do. Yeah. And you were not like a guy who went to school immediately and went right out of high school or college and went straight into the ministry. You've taken a yeah. lot of different paths. And and I think that's awesome because yeah. I feel like you, you walked away from what would have been easy to go towards what you felt like was God's best for you.
2: Yeah. And
0: I, I'm like, I'm yeah. like, this is not what you would say. This is part of why I'm doing in the yeah. interview. Cause I want to give you that compliment yeah. in front of everybody. But I, I also that. want you to kind of tell us a little bit about like, how do you discern God's will? Because in this book, it's definitely about this verse of scripture that we're created to do something on God's in God's work and in his kingdom. That's what he's created yeah. all of us to do. We're not supposed to get saved and then just sit. That's Right. We're supposed to be doing things, making an impact in our world and in His kingdom. And you could have been doing those things in other places, but you felt God calling you into a new place. Can you talk a little bit about how that feels to just follow God's lead into maybe what's a little out of your comfort zone, but you have a clear calling? If that makes sense. That's a long sure. question. Sure.
2: Sure. You know. You know. God. I'm simple. So God makes things simple for me, you know, when it when it comes to direction of what I'm supposed to do, and uh, every time that I've went someplace, it simply, really, honestly, has just been the name of the town, just out out of the blue, you know. Taft was that way, Greenfield was that way, uh, Waco uh, was that way. We had opportunities um, to after we after we had left uh, Greenfield and and was in Bakersfield for a while. You know, we had phone calls coming in. Um, contacts that were being made for uh, existing churches that needed pastors you know and stuff that was close by for us where we could have you know been closer to our families uh, there in in, in California and uh, but uh, we, just, we just knew that God was, was calling us to, uh, to Waco. We, we don't know anybody there. We've never lived there. In fact, we had never even been in the town until September of last year uh, to secure uh, some housing uh, that we could move to. Um, but, you know, there's, just, there's this comfort that comes from that, even though we're 1,300 miles from home. The only thing that I can tell you, and the way that I've experienced it, and I'm not saying it, this is the way it is for everybody, is just that god just lays a place on your heart and you will you're just not satisfied with anything else until you're in that place and then you and you just know that that's where you're supposed to be at you just there's just this comfort this contentment um and 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 your heart is in that area and for those people yeah so and i
0: know that last night when we were sitting around my dinner table and stuff we, we talked a little bit about how you've been that God was eventually going to call you to Texas. I mean, yeah. we're not surprised, right? I mean, Texas folks, we're not surprised. I mean, they find God said, "Come home, come to my land," right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Local call yeah. when you're trying to call heaven from here. Uh, so anyway, I'm just saying. But yes, welcome to God's
2: country. I'm putting that on a t-shirt. Yeah, yeah.
0: Here, I'm just going to give you the introduction. Here's what you need to say. I'm not from here, but I got here as quick as I could. That's what you say when you're not from here. But uh, Tracy, are you good with like the move and coming here to Texas as well? Yeah, and... Uh, and I know that this is something that's been on y'all's heart for a little while. That y'all have had conversations, yeah. And that's something that just didn't die.
2: No, you know, I, when, when I when I went to Taft, for instance, when we were talking about this last night, my my heart, my intention is always just to this is where I'm going to be the rest of my life. That's the mindset that I go in with, and um, and, and and I honestly don't know why this happened. I've always had a heart for Texas and we've, and I've talked about Texas for 20 years. Um, you know, I just, I, maybe in my mind, I knew eventually we were going to, you know, be serving somewhere. Maybe it was just God prepping us for a long move when we were talking about, you know, I've had a Texas star hanging in my house for 20 (laughs) years. I have moved that thing from, for Four houses that we've been in. So now it's finally hanging in a house in Texas. So, awesome. Yeah. That's anyway. really great. And and my mom is from, my mom's a Texan. My mom was born in Texas. So yeah. I do have a little bit of a connection here and I'm caught up on that. Can you and, see where I'm at? And I know that
0: this? you and Chip uh, Gaines and Joanna Gaines are close friends. We Isn't will that? be. Yeah. Oh, it's it, going to happen. It'll oh. happen, man. It's going to happen. It's, it's going to happen. Chip doesn't know yet.
2: <laughs> yeah. Very good. We're going to be friends. <laughs> Very
0: good. Now, real quickly, Tracy... I just want to shout this out. Um, August 27th is coming up, and that is, believe it or not, the five-year anniversary coming up this week for Hurricane Harvey. Wow. Can y'all believe that? Five years. And you spent some time here, is that right? How long were you here? about so, seven days. So you were in the insurance business, right? And so you were here as part of the emergency and disaster team that was handing out, you know, uh, insurance settlements to a lot of the people that have been affected. And you believe it's been five years? I mean, that's crazy. And uh, we'll talk more about that next week. But um, I just wanted to kind of let you know that real, real life people and people that you never know that your path might cross again. um, You know, they're they're coming and and helping in those kinds of situations. All right. So very quickly... Um, is there anything that you want to just kind of share before I maybe ask my final question? I don't know if maybe you'd just like to share as far as something that I've missed. Uh, I don't know if you've got something that you'd like to kind of tell about some of your past and your background before we ask the final question and then go on to Tracy.
2: You know, I I would the one thing that I would ask for, Tracy's going to talk to you in just a moment, just, is just pray for, you know, just uh, keep our, our family in prayer. You know, that's not... Uh, definitely not crying about this it's just you know life is life you do you go where god sends you uh, sometimes that's you know close by family sometimes that's a long ways away from everything that you know and so uh you know pray for that and and um and just that god would prep the hearts of the people that we're going to be coming in contact Uh, with. We're still out on itinerary. We're on the road every weekend. Uh, We're scheduled all the way through uh, October. Uh, We're going to spend the month of October actually back out in California, uh, raising support uh, out there again. But um, um, just, you know, I guess that's what I would, you know. That, that's really just what's on my heart this yeah. morning. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Just the prepping of people's hearts. So
0: very good. And and I appreciate you taking time to just kind of visit and sit yeah. and talk because the truth is, is that you're going to share God's word in a minute. And then at the end of his message, we'll have you come up and share a little bit of how about how we can partner. But let me just share this with you guys. As you know, every time that there's a five Sunday month on that fifth Sunday, we talk about how we can give and how we can be involved. There's not a lot of pressure about that. But here's what I would share with you. If we're serious about doing the Great Commission, if God has changed your life, man, don't you think there's other people in his world that need to hear about the life-changing goodness of Jesus Christ, the way that you can leave behind your past and the way that you can find yourself in a work that is bigger than you. And that stuff doesn't just happen. You know, we'd love to be able to say, yeah, the machine, the vast machine takes care of that stuff. That's not how it yeah. works. The way that it works is that people decide, you know what? we're going to be involved. And I personally am telling you, I'm going to be pledging to be supporting them in monthly support from now until we're done, until you're done. I appreciate. So, so I encourage you to do that, whether that's ten dollars, five dollars if you're a young person, you know, five or ten dollars, or 25, 30, 50, a hundred dollars. The truth of the matter is, is that for many of us, we could throw dollars their direction every single month and never miss it. But yet it's an investment in kingdom work and in eternal dividends. And so I just wanna encourage you guys to be a part of this. As they go, we want to send them and support them as they go. And so we're appreciative for them to come and share the gospel, share the things that are going on and that kind of thing. And we've got a video after uh, Jim does his part I'll ask Tracy to come forward because truth be told, Jim and I are a lot alike and Tracy and Shelly are a lot alike. And if you haven't figured out, Shelly's the brains of this operation. I'm just saying, right, I'm not making any characterization. That's true. All right. So anyway, I'm just going to admit to that right now. But yes, so so Tracy will come forward and kind of share that towards the end and we'll be involved in that. We want you to be involved as well. And yep. so we thank you guys for coming thank you, Brother and Randy. thank you so much for being a part of what God is doing. Here's what I would just share. Uh, and then we'll go to that clap in just a second. <laughs> Here's what I know. I know that real people make real sacrifices for God's kingdom to move forward. And sometimes the lack of God's influence is because that we as Christians haven't got involved. Yeah. And so I want to encourage us to just decide, you know what? We're gonna get involved, we're gonna do our part. Big, small, maybe the Lord is laying on your heart to really seriously partner with the Kilgores as they go. And if that's the case, you can get in touch. I believe we've got, yeah, there it is right up there. You can support them, there's a phone number where you can get in touch. Or if you are interested in having more information and you need me to answer a question or two for you, you can get in touch with me right there. All right, so we're gonna have a word of prayer. And uh, then I'm going to turn it over to Jim. And Jim is going to lead as we kind of go through this time. So why don't you guys all stand with me as we pray. Dear Lord, as we go into this time where we are moving towards your word being shared, I I pray that our hearts would be open and that we, your children, would receive. Yes. And Lord, maybe more importantly than we, your children receiving, may we your children act when we see you're moving and when we see someone who's volunteering to do something for your kingdom work man don't let us leave the easy part undone these folks are willing to go and share they're willing to go and start a church without anyone to help them what an incredible courageous thing to do but God they can't go unless we just say yes to your leadership. And so if you're laying on our hearts to support, help us, Lord, to be faithful, to do what you have led us to do. And I know that some will pray and support in that way, but I pray that we would also give and that we would make a sacrifice towards your kingdom work. We love you and thank you, and we thank you for Jim and Tracy, and may their path be eased and led in every single way by your Holy Spirit's leadership and guidance in their life. We thank you for this time today. In Jesus' name we pray. And everyone said together, amen. Amen. Let's give Jim and Tracy a hand. Amen.
2: Thank you, folks. Thank you, baby. Yes. Thank you, brother. All right. It is so good to be here with you Uh, all today. I count it a privilege uh, to be here. I've really been looking forward to uh, spending time with your pastor. It was nice to meet his wife, and they took really good care of us last night. I have already prayed for forgiveness for gluttony. Last <laughs> I, night I fed him steak oh, last goodness. night. And, uh, Man. So,
0: so that's a good. Kids Man. and teens, y'all can be Man. dismissed.
2: Thank you. If you got your Bibles this morning, would you turn to Joshua chapter 4? That's where we're going to be at. And I'll have you stand uh, for the uh, reading of God's Word in a little bit after the introduction uh, time. Trace, let me give this back to you so I can. So Joshua chapter 4 is where uh, we're going to be at. All right. I was, um, I've heard a story over the years, last few years I would say, about a husband and a wife who were getting up in age, you know, and and, uh, we were talking about me losing my hearing this morning a little bit and and uh, things happen as we get older. And they began to begin, uh, to get uh, forgetful. And so they decided, hey, we need to go to the doctor and find out, you know, if there's any help that we can get for this. And the doctor just really made it simple for him. He said, you know, you really just need to write things down. If you're forgetting stuff, just write it down. So they said, okay, we'll do that. They go home, and one night they were sitting in the living room, and they were uh, watching television. And the wife decided she wanted a bowl of ice cream. And so she, she asked her husband, would you mind going in, into the kitchen and get me a bowl of ice cream? And he said, sure, I'll do that. She said, well, you might want to write that down, and you might forget in between here and there. And he said, I'm going to remember that you want a bowl of ice cream. And so he's getting ready to leave the room, and she goes, oh, and I'd, I'd like to have some whipped cream on that ice cream. You might want to write that down so that you don't forget. He said, I can remember that you want a bowl of ice cream with some whipped cream on top of it. He's just about to make it outside of that door into the kitchen, and she stops him again and says, oh, and could I have a cherry on that? You might want to write that down. And he said, I'm going to remember that you want a bowl of ice cream with whipped cream and a cherry on top of that. I don't need to write it down. So he goes into the kitchen, and he's in there for a quite a bit of time. 30 minutes passes by, and he walks back in. He sets her up a TV tray, and he sets a plate in front of her that has bacon and eggs on it. She looks at the plate. She looks up at him, looks at the plate again, looks up at him and said, where's the toast? And so, you know, we... We have this tendency to forget, you know, and, and even though that, you know, we, we laugh about that, and that is funny. Sometimes we just get forgetful, but there's some things in our Christian life, we, you know, that we just need to make sure that we don't get forgetful about. We need, to, we need to remember where it is that God found us. We need to remember what it is that God saved us from. We need to remember what He's done for us throughout our lives, but sometimes there's some things that we just forget about, and we need to make sure that we don't forget uh, those things. And so before we go to the passage in Joshua chapter 4 of this morning, I want to give you a little bit of a background. What has happened is this, uh, if you're not familiar or just to uh, remind you of those things. The Israelites, God's people, have sat there and been delivered out of Egypt after over 400, maybe 430 years of slavery, and when they cried out to God for help, we know that God sent Moses down there to deliver them, but when it came time to enter this land that He had promised them, this land that was flowing with milk and honey, the Bible tells us that they they failed to trust God they sat there and got their eyes on the enemy and, 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 and were intimidated by that. And so instead of trusting him, they feared their enemies and, and they spent the next 40 years walking literally in circles as a punishment they, for 40 years. And it was a 40-year walk of the same old stuff, 40 years of the same scenery. They were eating the same food. The Bible says that they actually wore the same clothes. It was just 40 years of the same old thing. But now, after 40 years, this time has come, and and they can actually even see where they're going. They can actually see the promised land, that land flowing with milk and honey. Canaan is actually within their eyesight, but they can't get to it. It's almost there something's in the way, something's holding them up, and something is hindering them. And let me ask you this. Have you ever been there? Sometimes we sit there and we see what it is that God has for us. There's a blessing for us, but there's something in between us and the blessing. For them, it was water. It was, a, it was a river. In fact, it was the Jordan River in particular. And at this time that they're attempting to get to the promised land, it's harvest season. It's harvest time. And in harvest time, what would happen is the river would overflow and make it impossible to pass over. Overflowed rivers are a mess. I grew up in, in Kansas. And um, man, I loved... I loved Uh, fishing rivers, and I loved fishing the creeks around uh, my grandparents' house, and uh, when those banks would overflow, it would just make it a mess. You couldn't even get to the water, and if you tried to, you were going to at least lose one boot, if not both of them. Has anybody... Ever done that? You ever stepped in mud and lost your shoe? That is a horrible, horrible mess. And there's about two and a half million uh, people, uh, Israelites, that need to cross that river. So this is, a, this is a bad, bad situation with overflow banks and rushing water between them and the promised land. Things are just not looking so promising. And it looks impossible. But here's, I want to tell you this it looks impossible. But this is where God works best. God works best in the impossible. I, I just think that he shows himself to be who he is in the impossible, and that his power over everything is demonstrated in the impossible. I'm reminded about those words that he spoke himself, those words written in red in our Bibles in Luke 18 and 27, when he said, what is impossible with man is possible with God. God is the solution to the impossible in our lives. Do you believe that? If you do, say amen. He he is the solution to the impossible in our lives. So here's his solution for the Israelites and the problem that they're having. God gives them some instructions to this river situation. He sits there and he tells them the priest and the Levites were to bear the ark uh, of the Lord, the ark of the covenant. That was that gold-covered wooden box with that elaborate lid on it that represented the very presence of the Lord. Inside of it was the Ten Commandments and Aaron's rod that budded. There was gonna be some manna in there that God had provided during their journey. And it was to be carried to this muddy Jordan River with all those people following about a 1,000 yards behind the priest and the Levites. In Joshua 3 and 13, it says this, as soon as the priest who carried the ark of the Lord, the Lord of all the earth, set foot in the Jordan. As soon as their feet touch the Jordan, its water flowing downstream will be cut off and stand up in a heap. And that's exactly what happened. By the way, that kind of sounds familiar, doesn't it? A body of water drying up and some dry land to pass over. It sounds like maybe a a 40-year memory, you know, something that had actually happened before there, uh, uh, you know, at the Red Sea. And so that is exactly what ended up happening. The Word of God tells us that as soon as the priest touched the water, the river stopped flowing. In Joshua 3 and 17, it says this, The priest who carried the ark of the covenant of the Lord stopped in the middle of the Jordan and stood on dry ground while all Israel passed by until the whole nation had completed the crossing on dry ground. I want to tell you this. When you have the presence of God, when you have the direction of God, and you add the obedience of who he is speaking to, impossible things can happen. Let me say that again. When you have the presence of God, the direction of God, and you couple that with the obedience of people, what looks impossible can happen. Amen? It can happen. Some of the things that God calls us to is absolutely, in our, in our eyes, crazy, impossible, but I've seen it happen. Now, if you were there when that happened, when this river crossing happened, when you, if you were there when those priests had sat there and they were bearing the Ark of the Covenant and they come to the water and as soon as their feet touch that muddy, that, that river and everything, the water stopped and the ground turns dry so everybody can cross, that'd be something I'd want to Remember? Not only would it be something I would want to remember, it would be something I'd want to pass down to my children, and I'd want them to know this actually happened, that God made a way where there seemed to be no way, uh, so that we could enter into his promise. But You know what we are? We're forgetters. We are apt to forget a lot of things about the blessings of God and the goodness of the things that God has done for us, and sometimes we don't even tell those events to people that come after us. And so God made a way for that event to be remembered. So in Joshua chapter four, verses one through nine, would you stand with me for just a moment and let's read God's word together. Joshua four, verses one through nine. Here's what the word of God tells us. When the whole nation had finished crossing the Jordan, so they've already made it across, the Lord said to Joshua in verse two, choose 12 men from among you, one from each tribe and tell them to take up 12 stones from the middle of the Jordan from right where the priests are standing. And carry them over with you and put them down at the place where you stay tonight. So Joshua called together the 12 men he had appointed from the Israelites, one from each tribe, and said to them, Go over before the ark of the Lord your God in the middle of the Jordan. Each of you is to take up a stone on his shoulder according to the number of the tribes of the Israelites to serve as a sign among you. In the future, when your children ask you, What do these stones mean? Tell them that the flow of the Jordan was cut off before the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord. When it crossed the Jordan, the waters of the Jordan were cut off. These stones are to be a memorial to the people of Israel forever. Verse 8 says, So the Israelites did as Joshua commanded. They took 12 stones from the middle of the Jordan, according to the number of the tribes of the Israelites, as the Lord had told Joshua, when they carried them over with them to their camp, where they put them down. Joshua set up the 12 stones that had been in the middle of the Jordan at the spot where the priest uh, who carried the Ark of the Covenant had stood, and they are there to this day. Let's go with the Lord in prayer. Heavenly Father, Lord, I pray that you would add your blessing to the reading of your word. I pray, Lord, whatever it is that you have for us individually, Lord, that we would grab a hold of that today, that your word would just speak to our hearts, or we would be able to leave your house uh, today with something, uh, Lord, to guide us and direct us, Lord, some direction from you. Speak to our hearts and help us to be obedient to that, Lord. It's in Jesus' name we pray, and all of God's people said, amen. You may be seated. One person from every tribe is to grab a stone from the river where the priests had stood when they made their crossing. And those stones were supposed to be placed at the very first lodging place of the Israelites in the promised land. That place was going to be called Gilgal, and Gilgal was going to be an important place for Joshua and the Israelites from here on out. It was a sort of headquarters for them as they sat there and battled the godly, ungodly inhabitants of the land of Canaan. It would be where they would come back to uh, after victories. It's where they came back to after that horrible defeat uh, that some of us know about. We're not going to talk about that one today, but Gilgal was where it all started. This is where everything started for them. This walk of victory with the Lord, the beginning of the conquering of the enemy, the fulfilling of the promise of God, Gilgal was where it all started, this thing with God. And here's what I want to tell you today. Everybody ought to have a Gilgal. Everybody ought to have a Gilgal, or everybody ought to at least have opportunity to have a Gilgal. Everybody needs a place where they started their personal walk with Jesus. Everybody needs that place uh, where, where the promises of God, coupled with the faith and obedience of a person, sit there and begin to bring the blessings of God into that person's life. That, that purpose that they were created uh, for. And I want to share with you just real quickly this morning, and then Tracy's going to come up, up and talk to you. I want to share with you two things about why a place like Gilgal is needed by everybody, why every one of us needs one. The first thing is this. Everyone needs a, a, a place, a starting place that they can reflect back on. Everybody needs a place that they can reflect back on where they started their walk with the Lord. In Gilgal, those 12 stones were set in place by one out of each of the tribes as a memorial. And those stones were big. The Bible says that they had to carry them on their shoulders. They weren't just little stones they could carry in their hands. Had to be placed on their shoulders and taken out of that that river where those priests had stood. But I want you to think about this. And they're going to set them on the ground, you know, there in Gilgal, they would have been smooth stones. We know what river stones look like. River rock is not like any other rock. River rocks are nice and smooth, and, and, and the time of all that water flowing over for all those years has just made that thing a different rock than anything else. So they would have really stood out. They wouldn't have looked like anything else. Like It wouldn't have been just like, hey, that's just a bunch of stones there. They catch your attention. And so when the people uh, who were there at the time of the crossing of the Jordan saw them, it would remind them of what the Lord had already done for them, that he had already brought them through what looked like an impossible situation in order to bring them into the promised land. And after they got to Canaan, when they got there, we know this, their life was filled with battle. It was battle after battle with the enemy. Can I tell you this? This is just how the Christian life goes. Our life is one of battles. We're fighting battles all the time. And fighting with the enemy, man, that gets tiring. It gets taxing, doesn't it? It gets tiring. Battles can take some of the life out of you. You know, and knowing that there's another one coming can wear on you. And, and, but I read this quote from somebody, I don't know who said it, but somebody said one time, if you get tired, learn to rest, just don't quit. But here's what I want to add to that also. If you get tired, learn to rest, just don't quit, and remember what God has already done in your life. Remember the things that God has already done. Because in those things, you're going to sit there and you're going to find strength and you're going to find encouragement. Let me let me tell you what happens in a lot of people's lives, I think, sometimes, or some people's lives, maybe not everybody's life, but sometimes we sit there and we begin to follow the Lord, and we're all good with him saving us, and we're we're good with him forgiving us, and we're good with, you know, heaven and the blessings that that God wants to give us, but sometimes we just don't go to him with everything. And we try to fix things, you know? And, and, and I think that there are some people that have nothing, when a hard situation comes up in their, in their life, they have nothing to look back to other than when they first got saved in the future that, that, that God has for those that love him, but they've got nothing else to go back on. They can't sit there and say, well, I remember the last time I was in this situation, what God did. And the reason why is because, man, we have a tendency to try to fix things ourselves all the time instead of just sitting there stopping and saying, God, what is it that you want me to do? God, would you guide me, help me to be patient, help me not to rush into trying to fix this? What is it that you, that you want me to do? And I'm telling you, if we will do that, God will make a way. He will sit there and make a way, and here's what will end up happening. We will, have, we, will, we will begin to accumulate this list of things in our life that God has done. And then when, when another hard time comes up, we can look back and go, well, remember the last time? Remember when we were in this situation? Remember when we sat there and we prayed about this? Or, or I keep saying we because I'm married. You never really say I, you know. Except when it comes to, I'm not the smart one in this group. But anyway, okay. And, and what's, what was nice about that, Pastor Andy, is this. It's nice to know I'm not the only one. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> I tell people all the time, I said, man, I'm just pulpit candy. You know what I'm saying? Like arm candy just in the pulpit, and she takes care of all the business. 95% of the stuff that we do would not get done if it wasn't for that girl right there. I just, I preach, man, you know, and I, and I soul win. That she's the one that gets the rest of that stuff done. But we need those things to be able to look back on as an encouragement. Can you imagine how encouraging that would be? They're getting ready to face another enemy and and they've had victory after victory, but they can always come back and look at that memorial and remember this impossible situation that God brought them through. So it sat there and it served that purpose. You, you, You know, remembering is very important. In the Word of God, you're going to find the word remember about 200 times. And one of those is found in the 105th Psalm, verses 4 through 5. It says, Look to the Lord and his strength, man. I like that. Look to the Lord and his strength, seek his face always. Remember. The wonders he has done, his miracles, and the judgments he pronounced. I like that. We need to remember. And obviously, it's important because we're told that over 200 times in God's word remember. But the memorial also had a future purpose because it sits there and tells us that when the children would see those 12 stones, they would ask, Hey, what do these stones mean? Or, What do these stones mean to you? And it would create this conversation, this opportunity to give a testimony. And they could tell them what God did. Hey, listen, the banks were overflowed. We couldn't pass over. We could see Jordan. We, we could see uh, Canaan, and we knew that that's what God had for us, but man, the, the river was just, it was just an impossible situation, and this is what God did. God gave us direction, and he gave us his presence, and we obeyed what he said, and the priest stepped down, and the water stopped, and man, the, the, the ground dried up, and all of us, two and a half million of us, made it across to the other side, Man, that's encouraging, amen? That's what people need to know. There's something else though. I I, I want uh, us to not miss. Joshua 4 9 says this, that Joshua set up 12 stones. This is not the same ones. 12 stones that had been in the middle of the Jordan at the spot where the priest who carried the Ark of the Covenant had stood, and they're there to this day. Why two memorials? You know, I sat there and I'd done some studying about the Jordan River. During some of the, by the way, these are called standing stone memorials, standing stone memorials, where they would place them at the exact spot where something happened. So he sets them right in the middle of the water. During some of the year, that water level would have been low. And so when that water was low, you know what you could see? The memorial stones could be seen during the low water times, but in the harvest season, the high water times, with that water raging and rising, you're not going to be able to see those stones there. Those same stones would not have been visible. So I was thinking, man, you know, the low water times kind of, I picture the good times in life where we can sit there and it's easy to see the memorial stones. It's easy to remember what God has done in good times. But then sometimes those high water times come in our life, those hard, the the high water or the hard times, and it's not so easy to see those stones. But there were always the stones in Gilgal. Those could always be seen even in the high water times. The visibility of those didn't depend on whether things were good or whether things were bad. It was always there to remind them. Everybody needs a starting place that they can reflect back on. The second thing is this. Everybody needs a place where they can renew or return to the things of God. Jeremiah, uh, Joshua 4, 19 says this. Now the people came up from the Jordan on the 10th day of the first month and they camped in Gilgal on the east border of Jericho. The actual day of their arrival is given in the promised land. It's been 40 years since they've left Egypt. It's been 40 years since the Passover lamb had been killed uh, you know, to make the, the way for them. 40 years since the blood was applied to the doorpost and the lentil so the death angel would pass over them. 40 years since freedom from slavery had come. And let me tell you something. I didn't used to, I used to think that 40 years is a long time. Now, I used to really think that 40 was a long time away. You know, I used to think, man, if you're 40 years old, man, you're just like almost knocking on death's door, you know? Of course, I'm a long ways past 40 now. And let me tell you, it's still a long time, though. 40 years is a long time. 40 years is a long time. And and, and in that time, two things had not occurred, uh, and the practice of them was about to be renewed. In Joshua chapter 5, The practice of circumcision was going to be renewed. Circumcision was that seal of God's covenant with Abraham. It was that, it it, it included the promise of the possession of the land. And and they hadn't been circumcising their children since they left, or their male uh, children since they left Egypt, but now they're getting back to what God had required from them. This next one, man, I tell you, I gotta tell you something. Man, I studied and I studied, because I wanted to make sure I was telling people the right thing. So I studied and I'm studying. I'm like, man, did they not do this? Do you know that the Passover wasn't celebrated? And I, so I kept reading and reading, and reading. I'm like, man, am, am I right on this? And then, of course, when Matthew Henry said, no, they didn't, I went, okay, Matthew Henry knows, so the Passover was not celebrated. The Passover was that celebration of God delivering them from Egypt and the death of the firstborn that sat there and opened the, the door for them to get out of Egypt. And so for all those years, the Passover hadn't been celebrated. Can I tell you this? They could have been doing all of this 40 years ago, by the way. They could have been doing all of this 40 years ago. If they would have just obeyed God the first time uh, going into the promised land, they could have been doing this for 40 years. Let me me stop right here for just a moment. I don't know. I know three people in this whole room. That's pretty much it. You know what I mean? I don't know your lives or anything else like that. I don't know if you're right with God or if you're not. I don't know if you're backslid or not. I don't know if you're being faithful to God or not. But I will tell you this. If you're not... If you're not right with God, if you're not saved, if you're backslid, how much time are we going to let pass where we could be doing things, you know, for God, where we could be walking in promises, you know, and walking in God's blessing? I mean, could you imagine 40 years that have been wasted in a sense that they, could you imagine what could have been done in the promised land during that time? How long are we going to walk in the wilderness when we could be walking in the promises of God? They have wasted 40 years of their life. I would say this, I wouldn't waste 40 more seconds. I wouldn't waste 40 more seconds, man. I'd get things right with God today. Well, here's what ends up happening. Right now, before the celebration, they're getting ready to have the Passover, and they're going to start circumcising their sons again like God told them to, and they're going to practice the, the Passover, the celebration of the Passover, like God told them to. But right before they do that, Joshua speaks these words in Joshua 5 and 9. The Lord, uh, then the Lord said to Joshua, he says, today... Today, they're getting ready to celebrate. They're standing in the promised land. He's made a way. He said, today I've rolled away the reproach or the disgrace of Egypt from you. So the place has been called Gilgal to this day. Gilgal means a rolling away, a rolling away. And he said, I've I've rolled away the reproach or the disgrace of Egypt from you. This is what everybody needs. Listen to me. The reproach, the disgrace of our sin and its penalty rolled away from us. Man, that's what everybody needs. That's what, hey, there, there's some things that our needs might be different in, in this place right now. Somebody might need a job. Somebody might need, you know, a home. Somebody might need this or that, but, you know, and so all those things differ in our lives maybe, our physical needs, but I'm telling you that there's one need that every one of us have, and some of us have had it met already, but, and that's the disgrace, the reproach of our sin and its penalty rolled away from us, and that only comes one way. It only comes one way, and that's by way of repentance towards God and faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, amen, and what he did on Calvary's cross, being enough. The Israelites got back to or renewed doing what God had commanded them to do: circumcision and celebrating the Passover. Everybody needs a place to renew or return to the things of God. We need to do that. We need a personal Gilgal. We need to get back some of us from the th- back to the things that we know we need to do and, and that we once did. How about this? How about these things? We need to be fully committed to Christ. We need to follow his leading. We need to sit there and find ourselves in daily communication with him by way of prayer. We need a personal prayer life, and we need a daily prayer life. And I would say this, we need an early start prayer life. What I mean is start your day like that and start your day in God's word. We need to get back to, if we're not doing it, daily reading God's word, meditating upon it, hiding it in our hearts that we might not sin against him. I've got this thing that I, that I, that I say, and I... I I took it from somebody years ago, probably 15 years ago, this hashtag thing that I do. Uh, every once in a while, you'll see it on my Facebook page, and, and, uh, and, and something that I practice. No Bible, no breakfast. No Bible, no breakfast. I just try to live by this rule that, that, that I feed my spirit. I, I read God's word before I sit there and begin to feed this physical body, because this is more important. This is more important. You say, I'm just so busy that I don't have time to do that. And I've been there. I've worked some crazy hours in my life, man. I've, I've, I've done those 17, 18-hour work days before, you know. And, and so what I would do is I got up 15 minutes earlier. you know. Well, I'm not much of a reader. Download an app. Let somebody read it to you while you follow along with it. I like, And that's the way I do it anyway. I like hearing God's Word and seeing God's Word. Man, I get it audibly. And, and then I get it, you know, by way of sight also. By the way, one thing that I like about that, is that guy that's talking to me always pronounces everything right, every name, you know, because I'll get up here. I, I think David Crow said one time he read through a passage, it was a bunch of names, and then he, and, and I remember him saying, and don't ask me to read that again, because I'd say every name different, and that's me. So anyway, but that guy says it the same way every time, you know what I mean? So it's like, that's the way you say our taxerxes. Anyway, uh, anyway. Uh, so anyway, so we, we need to get back to reading God's Word. We need to get back to this. We need to get back to these things that God has told us to do, sharing the gospel, fishing for men, making disciples, being faithful to the house of God and to the family of God. Everybody needs a place like Gilgal. Everybody needs a place like Gilgal. Here's one. I'm going to wrap it up. And I don't know how exactly you do this, if, if you have somebody, if you guys play a, a song during this time, but I, I just want to share this with you for just a moment, make this application. But everybody needs a Gilgal. Brother Randy had asked earlier about my past, and, and I answered part of that question, but I left part of it out because it was part of my message. And I knew kind of where we were going with that. For 19 years, I sat there and I walked in the wilderness. You know, I was not a Christian, I was not a Christian man, you know, I was not a, 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 a godly man, and, I, and sometimes I'll, st- I'll stop and say, and I wasn't a good man, and somebody always says, and nobody is, and the Bible says there's none good, no, not one, but I sat there, and, and I just kept doing the same old things, man, I was living that same old disappointing life, I was walking in circles, you know, like being in the wilderness, you know, just the same old thing, the same old thing. But then on January fourth, nineteen eighty-seven, somebody invited me to church. God made a way where there seemed to be no way. And by the way, I remember during that time there were things that there were things that I was doing, and I'm, can, I'm just going to be transparent with you. I mean, look, I I drank a lot, and I did. And listen, I'm a I'm a preacher now, and I'm a pastor, and I'm a church planner, and 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 I even wore a badge six years after. I got saved. It, it, it blows my mind what God did in my life. Man, I was lost in, in pills, <laughs> taking speed, you know what I mean, and, 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 and smoking dope. I did all that stuff. I, you know, I mean, I was just a lost guy. And I remember I would stop sometimes and, 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 and I would try. I would like, man, I'm not going to do this stuff anymore. And I would stop, you know, for a little bit, you know. Maybe I was dating a good girl, you know, and I'm like, man, I'm I'm just going to try to be a good guy. You know, I'm saying I'm going to quit doing this. And I really didn't want to, honestly, part of me, I was hiding in it. I was searching for something that I didn't know that only God could give me. But I also couldn't break free from that stuff. It just kept coming back into my life and it just seemed to be impossible. I didn't have a river in front of me, but I had a river in front of me. And I could see the promise, I could see what God had. I just, how was I supposed to get from here though to there when all this stuff was in the middle? How am I supposed to be, how how can I be, how can I have the peace and the contentment and all this stuff that my Christian friends had? And I had some good Christian friends, and I just didn't know how to cross this impossible river. But on January 4th of 1987, somebody got me to church. They got me to church, by the way, by way of a chicken fried steak. Chicken fried steak will work every time, I'm going to tell you, Okay. My friend sat there and said, man, if you'll come, if you'll come and have dinner with me, and if you'll go to church with me tonight, I'll buy you dinner beforehand, you know, and, and he knew what I liked, and he goes, they got great chicken fried steaks here. I go, no, I know that place, you know, with gravy. So I went and we ate, then we went to church. I got to back up for a little bit. I've been under conviction for three months, starting in, in October of 1986. i went to church that night i had no intention of crossing i had no intention on being saved i'm so glad that god doesn't sit there and focus hey listen he he has no intention on doing this tonight so this isn't going to happen but god's the holy spirit's dealing with me the father's drawing me to the son i make it all the way through the altar call my buddy drives me back to my my car my truck my pickup and it's pouring down rain and I'm not getting out. And he's brand new, he's a brand new Christian, you know. And he looked over at me, he goes, are you okay? And I said, no. I remember staring at the dash of that Chevy pickup and he waited for a little bit and he goes, you want to get saved? And I said, oh yeah. Next thing I hear is the roar of a 454 Chevy, big block, just ripping down the street. I'm pretty sure we ran stop signs. I'm not sure. But he was trying to get me to the pastor as quick as he could. And when pastor opened the door, I remember him saying, we got one more for Jesus. And in simplicity, my pastor just told me who I was without Christ and what I was in danger of. And then he told me who I could be in Christ and how easy it really was. And it was almost like somebody had stepped into the Jordan <laughs> and the rivers rolled back in the mud dried. And buddy, I crossed over. Help me out. Amen. I crossed over into promises that I never even knew about. Help me out. Amen. I just, I crossed over, man. It hit, it was done. It was a done deal. You know what that was all because of? There were 12 stones in Gilgal, but there's one outside of a grave. <laughs> Help me out. Amen. That was rolled away, not by men, but by God himself. And out of that grave sat there and came the Savior of the world after three days of being away and he came back. And he did something more important than a priest tipping his toes into the Jordan. He overcame death, hell, and the grave. Amen. And made way for you and I to sit there and have a relationship with him that not only we can enjoy here, but that ends up in a place called heaven. Can't wait to get there. Would you stand with me tonight, this morning? I just wanna go with the Lord in prayer and then I'm gonna get out of the way and hand it off to Brother Randy. Maybe today you're here. Man, and there's just a Jordan in front of you and you can't figure out how to get across it. I'm telling you man, just give it to the Lord. Just give it so I see promises that he has me. I just don't know how to get to there, to, to it. Just give it to God. Ask him. And if it's really what he has for you, he'll make a way. Maybe today it's salvation. Maybe today it's just being saved. You've never been saved. And you need to give your heart to the Lord. He'll make a way for you. He'll make a way for you. Maybe today you're away from the Lord and you need to get back to him, but it looks impossible. He'll make a way for you. Maybe today you're, you're a Christian, but I, I, that stuff that I went through, we, we've gotten away from the things that we need to do. He'll make a way for you. He'll make a way for you. You need your own Gilgal. I would say to make Eagle Heights your Gilgal. Amen? Make this your place. Make this your place that you can drive by when you're with your friends. You go, hey, that's where I went to church. And, hey, let me tell you what happened there. Help me out. Amen? When I, when I go to Shafter, California, when I go to Shafter, California, that's my Gilgal. That's my place. Yeah, and I, can I be honest with you? There's been times where I'd stop by there when my pastor was there and the door would be not locked and I'd knock on it and I just had to go down. Things were okay sometimes, and some, but I just had, I just wanted to pray one more time. I wasn't even going there. I was pastoring another church, but I just wanted to go there and pray. And I wanted to thank God for what he did for me. And, and then I'm just going to be, again, transparent. Sometimes, sometimes, I, sometimes I would go there and I would get to the altar and I would pray because I needed to renew some things in my life. There were some things that I had gotten away from. And so I just had to renew things there. But I think one of the greatest things was to be able to let my kids know. You know? This is where I met Jesus i heard him calling my name i was so glad to meet him he was so glad i came and he'd be glad if you came today let's go to the lord in prayer dearly father lord you know our hearts we know what you're doing in them We know the business we need to take care of you uh, with with you. If there's any business to take care of with you, Lord, I pray that we would just be found obedient and you glorified in the things that we do and say, thank you for making a way where there seemed to be no way. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.
0: So as you stand and just, if you would, just bow your heads very quickly. I'm not going to take any more time than I need to, but I do believe that every time we hear so clearly from the Lord, that we give opportunity to respond to that. And I don't know where you are. I don't know what's going on in your life. But maybe as Jim was sharing God's word, God's spirit spoke to you and said, you know what, man, it's time to leave some of this stuff behind. It's time to make a new start or make a start for the very first time. But if you would just for a moment, with everybody just keeping your heads bowed and your eyes closed and giving everybody an opportunity to do some business with God. I'm not going to embarrass you in any way. I'm not going to call your name or anything of that nature, but I have a feeling that some of you have been spoken to by God's spirit today and you just want to respond and let. And and I'm going to give you a moment to do that, but if you would let me know that you are responding and moving towards God's movement in your own life, would you just simply quickly lift your hand? I thank you, and I thank you. I thank you as well. I thank you and you. I thank you. I thank you. Is there another? I thank you. I thank you. God, your spirit moving in our hearts is what we need. We need to be your people, fully devoted and fully committed and Lord, remind us of what we were before we knew you if we've forgotten. If we've never come to know you, may we know you by just simply praying the prayer that is simple as it possibly could be. Lord, I'm a sinner, please save me and take me away from my sin and allow you to be the Lord of my life. That's it, that's all that we need to say. In your own words and in your own way, reach to the Lord and the Lord will not turn away from you. And each and every hand that was raised, Lord, a number of different people feel your Holy Spirit moving in them. And as we come to the altar in our own minds and hearts, and as we pray to you right now, we pray that you would allow this to be a change for us. We love you, Lord, and we worship you. Take the sin away from us that keeps us away from you and recommit ourselves and all of us, each and every one. May we be your people hey here I am go ahead and have a quick seat if you don't mind hey can we give Jim a hand for just an incredible opportunity man thank you so much awesome job Tracy come on forward and uh, hey listen can I just be can I just put it out there This is the kind of thing that he's going to Waco to do. This is the kind of thing we need to be supporting. I mean, that kind of preaching and teaching and that kind of passion for Jesus and and his will in in his life is the very thing that sets Jim aside and sets him apart. He's already started a church and been successful at it. So many times preachers go out without the ideas of exactly how and what to do. Jim and Tracy have done this before. Jim is passionate and lion-hearted about getting out there and doing God's will. And we as his people ought to be involved and, and, and engaged in helping them. And so I'm going to turn this over to Tracy in just a second, hand this off to you. It's going to be on. And I believe we're going to check a video first. So then I'll just let you do that. And then hand it back to me and I'll close it out.
1: Um. I handed these out just at the beginning. Jim Jim has a couple extra. If you didn't get a prayer card, one of these, and a pen, can you just raise your hand? He's going to hand you those. Sorry, I tried right before the beginning of the service, and then I got a little bit distracted. I just want to make sure you have one. You can go ahead and roll that. Uh, Start that video, please. Quest is the name of our church, Quest Church Directions for Life. They've already talked about it, but my husband, Jim, you've met. I'm Tracy Kilgore. We're doing a joint project with Free Will Baptist North American Ministries and the Texas Mission Board. A lot of times we're asked, why Waco? Primarily, God directed us here. It's been about three or four years in the making. There are only six Free Will Baptist churches in a 250-mile radius of Waco, Texas, and less than 50 in the whole state, so about 45. Waco, Texas has a population of 139,236. It's located in Central Texas, positioned on the Brazos River, halfway between Dallas and Austin. Our target area primarily at the first is going to be that north side of Waco, closer to Dallas. There's 28,269 there. The average age is 35. 47% of them are married. The family size is 3 And there's 14,000 housing units in that area. North Waco is growing and more churches are needed for the population surge. Many people moving in far from out of state, I'm so sorry, but it's true. Many are young families. Within a one mile radius of our house, there's five new housing developments on that north side. Quest Church will strive to build a community of believers who live by faith live by example and live like Jesus. But it's already been said, we need you, we need your prayer, and we need you to partner with us. So I handed out those prayer cards. Please pray for us. Take a prayer card. Pray for our spiritual impact in Waco, Texas. Pray for us as we travel. Um, And we also ask that you would consider partnering with us financially. You could give an offering or a one-time gift. You could Sign up to give monthly. And these are our two financial goals. We've set to raise $6,000 in monthly support. That is the other card that I gave you. And to raise $100,000. We get there for the $100,000 by offerings during services, church fundraisers, love offerings, online donations. Uh, Any one-time gift, those go towards that $100,000. The monthly giving, that's the tricky part. We're trying to raise $6,000. You can complete that white faith promise card. You can sign up to give online. You can uh, sign up today to give donations um, in a certain amount. But the cards, these that we fill out, the old school North American ministry cards, I have to get those back today. So you can just hand those to me on your way out. We get asked this question all the time. When are you going to start your church? Are you holding services? How many people do you have at service? We can't do any of that till our funds are raised, our leaders are in place, and until we've located a facility. Great thing about technology, one of the things I hated the most during COVID was that stupid QR code at every single restaurant you went to when they wouldn't hand you a menu. I'll tell you, you guys check it right now. Grab your phone. Technology is a beautiful thing, and I love that QR code now because anywhere in this room, you can actually scan it from your phone, and you can give a one-time donation. You can sign up right there to give um, monthly. I will tell you the people of Texas have been fantastic in helping with that 100000 but we are really desperately in need for the monthly support because that is what North American ministry goes by to know if we're going to be allowed to start. And that's the designated giving. Now, I did have a young man. He is so cute at one of our last church, young young married man. And he said, it's kind of like a subscription. And it had never crossed my mind. He said, well, there, I have a lot of subscriptions that I don't even use. I said, the gym? And he goes, well, that's, yeah, well, yeah, the, the gym one, Yeah. But we, we sign up sometimes for subscriptions that we aren't using, and I would love to challenge you that if you have some subscriptions that they're automatically taking out already, how about you just cancel those and put those towards souls being saved in Waco, Texas? Because you're not missing it anyways, and we would love to have not your tithes, not the offerings that you give to your church, we would just like to have a little bit of the extra monthly. That amount that you spend when you don't want to cook. Or that little bit of extra when you go to Starbucks. Or that little bit of extra. Um, the one lady in the Bible said she just wanted the crumbs that fell from the table. We're not asking for your tithes or your offering, just a little bit of your crumbs. But. If you fill out this faith promise card, this one I need back. If you do it online, um, you can use that QR code or I have one at the back table. And we would love for you to partner with us. um, And the souls that are saved there, that is that fulfillment that your pastor talked about, the Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost parts of the world. We'll go for you. We just need a little help.
0: Thank you. Can we give the Kilgores a hand for being here? Great job. Awesome job. Thank you so much. And uh, I want to ask you guys, if y'all don't mind, can y'all go back and stand next to your table? I know we've got uh, other people in different parts of the church, but most everybody will be going out those main doors and the front doors. I mean, y'all go by and give them a fist bump and, uh, you know, I would say give them a hug, but I'm not trying to tell you what to do. But hey, go by there, at least give them a fist bump, let them know that they've been a blessing because I know that they have. And if the Lord is leading you to be a part of this, man, don't say no. Don't, don't put that off either because the truth be told, if you don't do it now, you probably won't do it. And so don't be a person who knows that the Lord is leading you to do something and you don't actually follow through. So may God bless you guys as you go. I'm excited for what EHC is going to be doing to support this brand new work in Waco, Texas. And hey, thank you so much for being here today. And we end the way that we always do. And you guys can say it right along with me. We just heard God's word. Now let's go live it. God bless you guys. Love you.